Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today's film is Terence Malick's To The Wonder. And uh, our first podcast ever, Lloyd, was Tree of Life. It's nice to revisit this director <laughs> um, in his shortest gap ever between films. Yeah. And um, sort of touch base and, and check out what he's up to now. Uh, this film stars Ben Affleck, Olga Kurilenko, Javier Bardem, and Rachel McAdams, though some parts are bigger than others. Um, and just a heads up, we will be discussing this film with spoilers in mind, so if you haven't seen To The Wonder from 2012, uh, check it out before listening to the rest of this podcast, or if you don't mind having the film spoiled, then uh, by all means, carry on listening. Lloyd, um, what'd you think? Well, I love Terrence Malick. He is a godfather, grandfather of cinema. Uh, his first couple of films he makes, right, is Badlands. Days of Heaven, which are both amazing films. Everyone's emulated it to this day for their groundbreaking films. Disappears Forever, comes back with Thin Red Line, which I think is a great film. Um, and then makes... Then, he's been pretty active in the last couple of years with um, uh, The New World, uh, Colin Farrell. And of course, we did one recently. Tree of Life. Tree of Life, and mm-hmm. now this film. And... Uh, we both discussed um, Tree of Life in length, a huge podcast, which is in fact our first one. And I, I, it's safe to say it, I liked it um, and it brought up a lot of interesting questions and it was a great experience, emphasis on experience. Because I, I think Terence Malick is one of those directors that's completely bored with narrative, with um, straightforward stories and wants you to experience film and cinema rather than watch a story. But there is a point when it gets so frustrating and you're watching somebody just frolic through the grass for two hours and I'm losing my shit, man. <laughs> Sorry for swearing. <laughs> the thing for me is there's only so many times I can see Ben Affleck's character, whose name we never learn. We never learn. And he, is... he didn't do any press conference for this as well. Like, Sorry, any um, marketing for this as well. And I think because he sat in the first cut of the film and went, okay, I have no idea who that person... Oh, that's me? I'm just a cardboard cutout. And that's what he felt like in the film. It felt like one of those kids' movies where you never see their parents. You just see their legs and their hands. <laughs> <laughs> off camera. Yeah, yeah, off camera. Or, or you just see their legs and hands. Okay, play, sit there and play nice. That's what Ben... And Ben Affleck's a huge presence on screen. It's so amazing how Terrence Malick sucked that all out, you know? He's playing... Uh, oh, the thing I was going to say was there's only so many times I can watch him stand distantly from somebody. They just kept repeating that kind of... I Technique. Mean, yeah, I get that... Um, He's playing an emotionally distant character that comes through 10,000 uh, 10, times. And he's very good with women, apparently, because well, he... Apparently. Yeah, he gets very beautiful girls. <laughs> yeah, but he seems to have a commitment issue. Yeah. There comes a point where it becomes too emotionally serious and he backs off or whatever the case may be. You never really get that... Um, you never get much dialogue from him. You never get much uh, interaction with him. And so this choice to make him emotionally distant to the audience as well is um is kind of interesting but ultimately i think you know it's one of those things where um when matt damon was in uh, oceans 11 there was a scene where don Cheadle uh smells like a sewer and uh matt damon covers up his face like to block like up to his nose to block with a handkerchief um because he's playing off like oh he smells because he smells horrible he's standing at the back no one else is doing that 
And on the um, audio commentary, they say to... Um, they didn't say to Matt Damon, but they repeated this story. That uh, they said to Matt Damon, oh, what, what, are you, what are you doing there? And he's like, oh, you know, because he smells, I'm, I'm blocking my, my nose. And he goes, yeah, but we paid X amount of money for that. So when we want to see your face, we want to see, you, you know, like, <laughs> don't cover up. That's what we paid for. Yeah. Like, you know, don't cover up your face kind of thing. Um, I feel like they've paid a certain amount of money or whatever the case may be. Maybe it's some back-end deal with Ben Affleck. They've got Ben Affleck. Use Ben Affleck. You know what I mean? That's I- a really good point. I would, I would, I would think this would work equally well with an unknown. Exactly right. Some dark, handsome guy from a perfume ad doesn't need much acting skills. Could have done the same yeah. thing. Even a more of a world weary kind of guy who you get the feeling may have had many, many, many relationships. This is Ben Affleck at approximately forty, you know, years old, and so you sort of feel like he's had maybe a couple of loves in his life. You kind of get yeah. a couple of loves in this film. But having somebody maybe, you know, five or ten years older, maybe then you would see somebody who it was all there in the face and you didn't need as much dialogue. You know, somebody who just kind of had a presence. In this, Ben Affleck doesn't get a chance, does he? No. No. I I think this is going to really hurt Terrence Malick. I think he's gone a bit too far with a huge child of Hollywood, Ben Affleck. Because I heard rumours with Thin Red Lion... Adrian Brody was a huge character. He was probably the main character of Thin Red Line when the film aired. And no one, not even the actors, can see it till the premiere. That's just how Terrence Malick works. He doesn't like to be photographed. He doesn't do any views. He shoots the film in this strange way. He gets to editing. He's the only guy that edits it. And the, the only time anyone ever sees it is at the end. That's how he likes to work. Adrian Brody was almost cut from Thin Red Line. Like... He's so small, his role compared... And he watched at the end. Obviously, he was heartbroken. He didn't have much to say. I don't know what happened with the other films, Tree of Life, etc. I do know um, Sean... Penn. Penn really hated Tree of Life. Go back and listen to our podcast. I read out a quote from Sean Penn. He hated Tree of Life, especially the ending. To the Wander... You know, I don't think Ben Affleck was happy with that. Like, I really don't. I really can't imagine he was happy with how that film turned out. And I know there would have been... There's all these hints in the movies of deeper backstory of other characters, and we don't see much of that. Like, I felt The Priest was so underwritten by Javier Bardem. It was um, so repetitive, unfortunately. It was like, where's my God? I don't know where he is. I'm losing my faith. (laughs) Like, oh no, not this story. (laughs) It didn't really have much of a payoff. It just felt like if you'd cut that entire subplot, the film might have been better. Yeah. I guess, you know, just focus on one thing. Um, But if you look on IMDb on the trivia, we've talked about this off mic, that... There's a ton of people who were in this film that were all cut out. Which, Could you name a couple? Like, uh, uh, I remember Barry Pepper was in it. Yeah. Um, I can't remember all the all the people who were in it, but yeah. there's a, like a semi-comprehensive list. If you talk, I'll <laughs> yeah, find yeah, it. You're right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange and interesting technique. Everyone respects Terrence Malick. Like, everyone knows he's a grand auteur. Like, everyone owes a debt to him like he uh, uh, cinema owes a debt to him for what he's done with uh, especially the photography in days of heaven stuff like that um 
and this film is no different. It looks so amazing. I've never seen a shopping mall look like that. I've never seen suburbia look like that. You know, I've never seen the outback. It's so amazing. I could look at that for about ten minutes before I start getting up, before I start needing a narrative or something. It's beautifully shot. Oh my god! There's no question. And it's probably all natural light as well, except for that glimmer of a dream dream sequence where Rachel McAdams is walking in a weird haunted house or oh, it's whatever. A child's room. Child's she lost room. A child. Yeah. yeah lost a child that was implied yeah yeah uh rachel vice jessica chastain mm, here we go uh michael sheen amanda pete barry pepper these are all characters cut out and michael shannon had supporting roles which never ended up in the film and they, they were shot they were shot they were shot they were probably paid as well they probably won't make it on the uh, dvd either because he's going to just present the film that he landed yes. on yeah but the problem with this is that apparently this is largely improvised he would come and tell them with no script and that comes across um, he would tell them how to feel and what emotions, and it's probably quite an interesting experience, you know. But here's the way I viewed this: is that he kept telling them the same sort of thing. There's only so many ways you can play, you know, the same kind of emotionally distant for Ben Affleck. You know, I miss home, and he's not quite connecting with me for Olga Kurylenko, and just like Rachel McAdams only had a bit part in the end. She's not in this very much. Um, she probably comes off the best. You know, she had this brief kind of slip into character, get out before... You remember her a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, she just had that presence and impact. Yeah, Yeah. and if you read, like, synopsises of this film, it says things that don't come across in the film. Apparently the press junket for it, they they were all given this uh, pamphlet, and it was huge. It was like a novel, like a mini novel on all the characters and stuff. And a a lot of the critics were going, well, that's great. I didn't see any of this up there on screen. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Apparently... Uh, Olga Kurilenko's character found solace with the priest, Javier Bardem. I don't think they had a scene together. She was sitting in the church. She was in the church. They sit in the church. I don't think they ever talk. Like, I don't think she finds solace there. Like, she had some friend that she talked to for two minutes who made her drop her bag. Like, I don't think she really had a lot of friends, which is weird because quite often she is without her child and stuff. She's just frolicking. Who's yeah, looking she, after that kid? She was an interesting character. She bites, she scratches, she does a whole bunch of things. You're like, oh, that's interesting. For about two minutes and then it just becomes, okay, I need some depth here. <laughs> Terrence Malick is following his semi-autobiographical turn in The Tree of Life with another film based on his own life. Malick, like Ben Affleck's character Neil, had a romance with a woman in France in the 80s named Michelle Moray. Moret? Moray? Wow, they gave a name. Like Kurilenko's character of Marina. Married her in 1985 and then moved back to Texas with her. They divorced in 1998. However, and... However, and Malik reconnected with Alexandra Wallace, a former high school sweetheart, like McAdams's Jane, from his days at St. Stephen's School in Austin, Texas. So, like, he's lifted this from his life. The character of uh, Brad Pitt in Tree of Life no spoilers um, was very emotionally kind of interesting like he had kids and he was like very kind of teaching them how to fight and punch and stuff you see that in the trailer Yeah. Um, he's got a certain fathering style and I feel like in a little way uh, Ben Affleck's character is the grown up version of one of the kids well that's you know? a good point yeah um, and it's kind of like a continuation I can see it you know sort of. is thing. that what people saying is no, that official I, oh you just kind of, sorry yeah yeah it's not official I don't think okay. one of them was called Neil or anything but it's just kind of like you're in a bit of a waking dream watching his whole thing yeah and that's the thing I think what a lot of defenders of Terrence Malick will say about this film 
and it, the difference between a cinema and a book a book and will tell you a story will get you inside characters heads and all that but a film is something you really experience it's like a ride it's beyond narrative it's beyond and i get all that it's just too much for this length of time you know and uh, for one voiceovers i feel like here uh in the thin red line um you get a ton of voiceovers and they're from all the different soldiers and so it seems like there's a point to that because you get this you know consensus this story through all of them this is all of their experiences all at once you know but uh that's not necessary here you don't need to hear what well you don't really get to hear ben affleck's thoughts you know in the film you get repetitive kind of rachel mcadams and um javier bardem and um there's nothing particularly linking these experiences like i said they don't really have scenes together um so it becomes one of those things where you're just listening to these poetic kind of voiceovers that i'm guessing were done later yeah you know um to hear things like you spoke little but you were an incredibly loving man he does speak little (laughs) we we can see that it doesn't add anything to the narrative by saying he was loving there's that ongoing implication of kind of um domestic violence as well which again we don't really see there's a little bit of kind of his aggressive nature he knocks some things down he punches the um side mirror of the car he sort of has a reason to at that point you know she's she's cheated on him and stuff but it's difficult because you're not sure why these characters are so annoyed with each other you're not sure what it is that's happened you're not given all the pieces you just shows them in different emotional states you know i'm not sure what to do here let's show her dancing again <laughs> that's I, I felt like that was the attitude they leaned to a, a few times but look the first 10 minutes you're seeing them walk around together they're walking on that cool looking mud that looks like jelly um i feel like everything's a metaphor though they walked on the very relatively firm ground that was mud before and later on he's trudging Th- through mud. yeah that was cool you know? i want to go to that place <laughs> but how beautiful did europe look like uh, again we're getting back to the she, look of it she seemed very happy yeah, in, yeah. in europe you know like they were running around having a good time and there was that great line the kid says let's go back mm, there's something there's missing nothing for us here or there's yeah. something missing yeah. you know what is yeah the, the country's very rich very beautiful america but there is something missing there they don't have that yeah i appreciated the transition where it's kind of a horizon shot changing to america yeah and suddenly they live in america and oh. stuff. but also i feel like and it's being those implications it's being poisoned as well like the machinery is poisoning poisoning their water and it never gets to the bottom of that no, there's I, a big empty you know sub right <laughs> yeah it was huge he's, and there's a whole scene where he's walking around the construction yard obviously to test the soil mm. and he's just like okay why is he here <laughs> yeah they look uh, is the train they're on a metaphor for their journey is the fence she's looking at like a metaphor for how trapped she is um ben affleck's character finds one shoe is he trying to find his cinderella everything can be you know you take a metaphor you dig deeper into these things you know there's visual cues but to a certain extent i mean his dop is doing the visuals you know there's probably some second unit director or something that's gone out and got some of these and brought them back to him and he's decided what to use you know to an extent the story portion is what i want to focus on because that's what's come from him that's you know where the film is at it's not that we it's sometimes it's not a film at all you're just watching visuals yeah and it's sort of like it belongs on imax the moment i get the emotional aspects severed 
um, that's when the film suffers. And unfortunately, I didn't get any emotional attachment to anything. Like, I felt a little bit for the young girl in school. She can't make new friends. And she feels a hollowness there, shallow. And there was a great scene where she keeps turning off and on the lights. And then she hits with all stepfathers hate to be hit with, um, you're not my real dad and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And it's a brutal scene. It is a little bit of a cliche, but yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's always awkward to watch, you know. I felt a little bit there. I felt a little bit when... um, she sleeps with the other guy like she's just looking at him and she's just not sure what she's doing so it's, it's as if somebody's taken over but the performance wasn't believable she just kept looking dumb-eyed and stuff like that i was like oh don't go up the stairs she goes up the stairs and then it's this vague zombie-like performance i'm like oh mm. and there was another time i felt emotional um it might have been javier bardem yeah, when he's talking to the guy cleaning the windows and he goes, yeah, I feel the light and he's touching the windows mm-hmm. and he's trying to touch the windows, trying to see his faith. I thought that was really cool, but that was it. I, don't, I didn't feel emotionally engaged with the relationship. And that's the core of this movie, the emptiness of the relationship between the two, the ups and downs. And I felt nothing, it's nothing that, at all. Yeah, it's that when they're fighting, right, she mentions in a voiceover they've, they've replaced love with hate. When did love become hate? Yeah, so, what happened? How did it disintegrate? Yeah, we, I don't know. We have no reason. Like we, we don't, we aren't privy to why they're fighting, why it's changed, why Ben Affleck's character is looking at other girls at the swimming pool, and why she's you know crying into her water and stuff. As I she thought swims. there was a dark implication there that he was liking the daughter for some reason. I didn't pick that. I, I, I got that, and then I saw the girl. Um, then I saw the the blonde haired girl walking in the back. Okay, so maybe he's looking at her. Like I don't I know because just... she said she said a violent, uh, like really harsh words during that voiceover. There's something dark or something like that, and I was like, oh, okay, was this going? Is this mm. going to take a left turn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it was that I kept looking at um, Olga Kurilenko's character Marina, and I kept thinking how selfish she was being because she you couldn't please her. You know, you yeah, she was a very, uh, very complex relationship to be involved with because she doesn't work from what I can see. Mm-hmm. And Ben Affleck's always out there working, coming home to. She's a very beautiful girl, but she is so demanding. Like there is, he, he's brought them into his world, right? And they didn't like. They seemed happy in France, right? But oh, I don't know. She um, wants to be with him, so she moves to America, right? The visa is expiring. He lets her go. Fair enough. He's emotionally distant and he's getting his space or whatever back and he moves on to Rachel McAdams. But when she's back in France, she can't get work. She's unhappy. Something's changed. She the comes... daughter's gone. That's a big thing as well. To, she... the, to the father, yeah. Yeah, she comes back, obviously, without the daughter um, to, like, do her own thing. But then when she's back, she's miserable again. And she was miserable before. I don't know what she thought would have changed. Like, go to a third option, you know? Move How about your else. work? <laughs> oh, look, not even that. I'm just thinking, you know, these aren't the only two scenarios that you stay with Ben Affleck or you're on your own in France. You know what I mean? But for her, it was. That was... It, the big thing about this is the search for the soul, the complexity of that, because you got that implicit with the priest. He's searching for his faith that he's losing grip of, and she's searching for a soul, for something, for some substance in her existence. But all that is just such a high-class, upper-class problem. You know, it's just like you've got everything. You've got this beautiful house. You've got a beautiful husband. You've got a beautiful daughter. Yet there's always something missing with her. Maybe she is going through depression. Maybe she is, you know, there is a mental disorder that's implicit in the film. I don't know. But it, it, it's a huge 
ask for me to watch her uh, this unlikable character that we don't know much about frolicking and running around she's like a sprite she's quite selfish and she yeah she has a baby with the uh, affair i don't know what he was a carpenter or something mm-hmm. like a tradesman she um gets pregnant to him probably because ben affleck wasn't going to impregnate her he sure. didn't really want a child it's not really mentioned but when they go and see the doctor they uh they say you know you've got to think about having kids now or whatever kind of thing and she immediately wants to have a kid it's sort of implied but then she has that kid and then you don't really ever see her with that kid past the sort of point where he's sort of a toddler and she's just frolicking again she's doing her own thing it's very difficult to nail down (laughs) yeah because i mean you want to see her go right she's a mother now she's found that bliss she's found her wonder you know she's fulfilled in some way but then it doesn't feel like she's fulfilled by the end of the film. I was hoping for a big tree of life moment where we're going to go to the beginning of time and see <laughs> the dinosaurs and stuff. Just something to get me out of this awful place. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And look, strong feelings make you uneasy, she says about Ben Affleck as well. And I get that. It's just that every single scene he's standing five meters away from her or he's not looking at her or he kind of looks at her and doesn't really give her anything or he leaves the room when she sits down you know it's like if this is autobiographical is terence malick saying that that's how he was and he's recognizing that he was at that time in his life that's what drove her away that well that girl's as mystery to him as it is to the viewer i guess like Mm. you know she he uh it's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's you're reading into this film, hoping to find these answers that you will never get. Yeah, you know what I mean. But there was some way of finding answers in the Tree of Life. Like you could sort of say, "This is how I read this film." You know, we talked for over an hour on that. Yeah, you know, we found what we thought was in the film. There are other explanations out there for this one. The synopsis gives you more information than the film <laughs> ever gives you, as we said, and it kind of spells out all this stuff that just it just isn't there you know um maybe more needed to be cut some didn't need to be cut you know it feels like this yeah yeah. this version doesn't quite work yeah it's a big look into the soul of the director and the artist so in that sense i guess it's going to be a big feast for those hardcore malik fans but for me and i'm a I love Terrence Malick. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, but it was just too much. It was way too much. Um, One thing I did appreciate was um, the set design. The lack of furniture in their place um, makes it seem... Well, the furniture in general. If you make the furniture their relationship, they're breaking the furniture when they're fighting. Um, they're packing it up when she's and going. the emptiness of the it The emptiness. Well, yeah. He walks around this like empty yard, you know, kind of thing. Um, it, it felt like the furniture was something. It's interesting how much of the absence of modern technology there is in this movie. True. Like, we never see, uh, from memory, I don't think I see a mobile phone mm-hmm. other than when Ben Affleck is talking, oh, there's something in the water. There's something, like, that's the only time he's talking on the mobile phone. Because relationships of this modern era are made, bond, strengthened, and broken through text messages and through the mobile phone. It's just a part of the modern modern age of western society and this is set in present day yeah this is set in present day we do see a skype call with the daughter which i thought was interesting but other than that there's a lot of very visceral moments of hands touching each other how they look at each other i don't 
I've never been in a relationship or seen couples like that, you know? I think it's so extreme, you know? They're just not saying anything to each other. The wind is blowing. They're, you know, they're having these poetry moments. I think it's just, you know... She often seems like she's either lost or drunk, too. Like, she's just kind of so giddy and happy and running around. Like, there's a scene where she's chasing birds in kind of a crazy way towards the end. And, I mean, I get it. The birds are a metaphor she's free or whatever now but it's like if you just watch that scene it's like do they not have birds in france (laughs) this isn't a fascinating thing it's i think i I remember that scene i think the dop was looking at the faces that birds fly up and then it just pans away from them Mm. oh look at the birds yeah look at the pretty birds (laughs) maybe there's a rule where nature comes first because you can always get the actors you know (laughs) but you might not get those birds doing that again you know i would like to see this style of filmmaking and this brilliant photography with a more straightforward story. Um, I think we kind of got that with Tree of Life, but, uh, you know, it is an experience, though. Like, I will say that. This film is definitely an experience. I haven't seen any other film like this ever. Like, I've never felt suburbia like the way I felt it watching this. I never felt a shopping mall the way I felt like this. You know, when they're playing with it. I've never seen anything like it. It's amazing. And there's a brilliant scene where she's going through the traffic lights after she sleeps with that that guy, um, the the repair guy. And I've I've never seen uh, uh, traffic lights like that. You know, it's just... Um, so it is an experience. I will give it... Sure, visually... You can't argue. Visually, yeah. he has a way of making the ordinary seem extraordinary amazing yeah. you know um there's the the fact that he mentions the title of the film here to the wonder you know it comes up towards the beginning of the film they go and see like a modern wonder you know uh, something that's been there and and i can't remember exactly what it is at this moment in time but um they right. go and see this kind of beautiful architecture and like you know appreciate all the beauty and whatever sort of thing and then i don't know this this reminds me of like when people go on The Bachelor, right? They go on these wonderful dates with a person in this kind of exotic environment, you know, that's obviously made for... That's what it's made for. Fabricated, So, you know, they're in France. She's exotic. Everything about it is kind of wonderful and fabricated. And much like The Bachelor, I imagine that when the person who wins goes home with The Bachelor, they're sitting on a couch, and she's like, where's your helicopter and your speedboat, and why don't you ever take me on wonderful dates anymore, you know? Um... The reality may be set in here. And the characters of Neil and Marina go home. He has a job to do. They're not in vacation mode anymore. Um, Life moves on and suddenly she's not as fulfilled as she was when they were going and seeing these wonders and things like that. That's what I take from this. But I think she's constantly looking for her bliss. And she, you know, she's kind of almost selfishly kind of abandoning children along the way. Like, I didn't like her in a way. I didn't like him in a lot of ways. Um, it's hard to like a character who cheats on another character when you're supposed to be rooting for their relationship. You know what I mean? Again, is this a European thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's very tricky. Um, and also, the final words of this film are, love that loves us, thank you. Is that the message here? Like, w- What do you read into that? It's a search for the soul. And I don't think it's—I don't think it answers it at all. I, I don't think it does. I just—it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, a little bit from IMDb again. 
There was no script used during filming. Terence Malick would give the actors pages of thoughts and independent lines every morning, and he would ask them to play the emotions without speaking, just with their body. Did you kind of feel like there was no script? Because I certainly felt like there was no script. (laughs) And it's a story that obviously he knows well. He's lived this story. So he's basically saying, this was important to me, therefore it will be important to others, and therefore this film will work because, you know, people will finance Terrence Malick's films. Oh, absolutely. He is going to have no trouble continuing to make films. I just think his relationships with actors is hurt by this film. Yep. I, I really think I, I don't agree with that technique of having an actor throw themselves at your project and do whatever you say and then you just cut them out I, I do think there is has to be a level of agreement because it's, it's hard work to be an actor and to throw yourself into that role there's a lot of humility and stuff and just the thought of Adrian Broner watching Adrian Brody, at, yep. Bro, Brody watching um, uh, watching the Thin Red Line and just seeing this completely different movie is just heartbreaking to think of and I'm pretty sure um, Ben Affleck felt the same way with this movie and who knows what those other characters were on yeah. IMDB it says Jessica Chastain played she was from the Tree of Life as well she played a uh, ex-girlfriend of Ben Affleck's you know um, that's the thing is that you'd want to see your own performance up there you'd want to know that what you did it is it hurts hurtful to yeah. an actor's relationship uh, but I will say I've never seen anything like this so I reckon go check it out, definitely, to anyone. It was an ordeal, though. It's quite long. <laughs> oh, yeah. To be honest, Dave, I really struggled to get through this. <laughs> uh, I think with Tree of Life, I saw the I saw Tree of Life in Washington at a cinema, uh, at a proper movie theatre, and everyone in that audience was very respectful. They watched it mm-hmm. and everything. So I had the full Terrence Malick experience. This one I watched on iTunes. I rented it out and watched it on my um, computer screen with headphones, and I constantly was pausing, going to the bathroom, <laughs> checking my email. Uh, so I really didn't give it the attention it deserved. But at the same time, I think it was just so distant. I think, yeah, it fell into that. Maybe there's something to be said for him taking this time between films, because you know he, he's obviously lived with this idea since the 80s when he lived this film, you know, yeah. to some extent. This is, you know... A creative way of showing us his experience but by quickly doing this like right after the last one uh, maybe it is too soon and maybe the turnaround on this was just like some producer or somebody pressured him and said could we get another film you know when can we get your next one what are you working on now and pushed and pushed and pushed and this is an undercooked film you know the themes aren't all there on imdb at the moment he's got three projects under director voyage of time knight of cups um, and untitled Terence Malick um, project, and they all say in brackets post production. I have no idea what that means. Maybe well, they're all cut. It means they've been shot. Maybe they're all cut ups from um, To the Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did an Anchorman movie like that where all the alternate takes and stuff um, from Anchorman were. Um, yeah, into a 40-minute um, movie. Oh, it was more than 40. It was really? closer than 90, yeah. Oh. It was, um, I think it was 80-something minutes. And it's called um, Wake Up Ron Burgundy. And it's you can see exactly where the subplots and stuff fit into the first film. But, uh, yeah, it's still quite funny. All right, guys. Well, appreciate you listening. I think Terrence Malick didn't quite get away with it here. I shudder to think that those future three films, which are all slated for 2014 releases, <laughs> could be, you know like to the wonder 
um, unless there's some other little chapter of his life that was more interesting that he's taken these things from, I think we're going to see relationship issues. I think we're going to see um, relationships that aren't quite working and people's uh, infidelity. And this seems like things taken from his life. So, um, yeah. We'll have to, you know, have another Terence Malick project in the future, Lloyd. Definitely. He, I hope he continues to make projects because he comes, he generates interesting discussion, nevertheless. And again, it's a big experience watching his movies. So I'm glad he's in, he's working. <laughs> and uh, guys, find more from us at www.podmeifyoucan.com on our website. You can download us in iTunes, and we'd love it if you leave us any kind of feedback or ratings in there. That'd be great. Thanks, guys. All the best. <laughs>